Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good morning, poddleters. Actually, I've just, re- <laughs> just realised it might not be morning when you're listening, but as I'm recording this, it's like 7am and I'm just lying under my duvet uh, because I forgot to send this over. But anyway, I'm so freaking excited about this week's episode. It is with Femi Olawule, which I hope is said right because I've literally been practising that for so long. And basically, we're talking about why Brexit is so shit. It's all in the title. Femi gives us lots of layman's terms and top-down explanations of what Brexit really means, what the implications are, and what the wider social implications are as well. Femi is part of OFOC, which is Our Future, Our Choice. And you might have seen him arguing with Nigel Farage and doing a lot of political campaigning. He's really active on Twitter and he's just an all-round great guy. I literally love this chat. I haven't actually listened back to it. Um, I've stopped editing the podcast, which I think is really fun. I basically record it, send it off to my producer, and then it goes up. And I find it's quite freeing. And it means that you're literally just listening in to the conversation as it happens. And nothing's taken out or edited or changed. Uh, So do forgive me if I say anything really awful but I don't think that I do I'll find out I'll listen with you guys today when it's out which is Sunday which is not right now because today is Tuesday okay (laughs) please do rate review and subscribe bye hi guys and welcome to adulting this week I am joined by Femi Oluwole. Nicely done. Is that right? <laughs> That's perfect. Good. Okay, perfect. So, Femi, do you want to tell everyone a bit about who you are and what you do? Okay, so I'm a guy who was born in Darlington, grew up in Middlesbrough, Swansea, Dundee, Birmingham, Nottingham, uh, parents Nigerian. Uh, I watched way too much American TV, primarily uh, Keenan and Kel and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, hence my messed up accent. Uh, and I studied law at Nottingham, uh, then realized that David Cameron was utterly shitting the bed in terms of explaining the stuff that we needed to know. Uh, and so I started to get into the whole Brexit debate. I love that you've just explained your accent because this is was my first question. Yeah. <laughs> and I always wonder this. And I said this to Matt. I was like, are you sure this is my boyfriend who absolutely loves Femi? I was like, I'm are you at- sure that he's not from somewhere like in America? Or is he... I thought you were Scottish, actually. Mm, yeah. So Darlington as in... As in northeast near Newcastle. Fine. I went New South Wales in Australia. <laughs> and then I was like, wow, you really have moved around. Um, but how did you... So you're saying that you realised that David Cameron wasn't really saying it in the right way, but you must have had quite a political interest already to think that you could maybe explain it a bit better. Well, I mean, I studied law, and so you, you get the basics in, in law school, like like about what the EU is, how it works. And I also then went into sort of specialising it. Um, I worked in Brussels for two years, um, so I've worked with the EU institutions right. as well. Um, but, I mean, we are talking the absolute basics. Like, you've all heard, you may have heard the term single market on the news, but nobody ever explains what it is. Um, and it was it's so bad that in October last year, the BBC published the definition of the single market and it was wrong. <gasps> and they had to change it because I told them to. Oh my God, I love you. That's how bad it is. Two years after the Brexit vote, one of the most basic terms in the whole thing, 
the BBC didn't know. So what is this corruption? Because I do find, I absolutely love watching on Twitter. I especially love it when you argue with Nigel Farage because mm. you just always absolutely slam him. But why is it that you seem to be the only one that's picking? Is it because there's just so much rhetoric and so much stuff going on that no one's actually got the time to sift through it? Or is it just no one's really got that much inclination to want to bother? Well, I mean, I think the, I think the, the, the news tries to go more for uh, entertainment rather than um, education. Mm. So, like, with the single market, I can explain it in 30 seconds. Imagine if the EU didn't exist. You had 28 countries making their own laws in their own way, and you wanted to sell, let's say, beer to those 28 different countries. You'd have to manufacture, market, and package your products in 28 different right. ways, which would send your costs through the roof, make prices higher, supermarket prices higher, standard of living would drop. So that, that's why EU countries make laws together. They seem to make one version of their product and they can sell it across the whole of the EU without having to make different versions of it. Got you. Now that makes life better. Yeah. Now that's a single market in 30 seconds. David Cameron had five months to explain it. And yet still here we are today and most people still don't know what it is. But do you think the reason that they want to make it so complicated is so that there is a bit of a chasm between like the general populace mm. and the people in power so that it seems so confusing you get like lack of interest in oh, it. Oh no, de I, I definitely agree. A lot of the all the big players in this, their attitude is it's a lot easier to manipulate people if they don't know the the, the facts. Yeah. So they're just basically they keep it. They use terms like single market, customs union, without explaining what they what they are. So they can just basically form a narrative around these concepts that nobody really understands, and that's and that's how they manipulate people. But yeah. and it, and it makes them sound really certain about it as well because they're using all this lingo exactly. that sounds really professional. But when it comes to Brexit, what I find really interesting. Is I do, I talk about it, but I don't really understand it. But what I find fascinating is that I think the reason that Brexit kind of happened was this like disenfranchisement and people not really understanding how politics worked and then voting for something they didn't really understand. And now that Brexit is happening, we understand it even less mm -hmm. than when it first started. Could you do like a, a run through a synopsis of like how we got from A to B, like how we got here and what it was in the beginning kind of thing? Okay, um, let me say this story so that for those of you who can't imagine why anybody could possibly vote leave. Imagine if you're 50 years old, you've, you live in Sunderland. When you were 10 years old, Margaret Thatcher um, closed the shipyards in your area and so your dad lost his job. You've seen London, the southeast, get richer and richer, more investment every year, Millennium Dome, London Eye, the underground tube system, stuff you've never seen in your area. And you vote Labour all your life because you hate the Tories for what Thatcher did to your dad. You, But Labour has no incentive to do anything for you because, well, they're always going to win in your area. And the Tories, no incentive either because they're never going to win in your area. So politics as a whole for your entire life has had no incentive mm. to make your life better. And then here comes along Brexit. This first, the first time people are saying this might make a real difference to your life. And the person telling you to vote Remain, David fucking Cameron. The same person who's made you, made you and your family and everyone you know suffer through years of austerity. Under those circumstances, remove my EU law degree. I'm voting leave every time. Right. Um, and so that's and that's the anger that led people to vote for Brexit in the first place. On top of that, you've got you had an. A discussion about the idea of taking back control, mm -hmm. of controlling our laws, whereas I just explained, if you know that sharing laws with the other countries of the EU, the place where you sell and buy most of your stuff, is going to make stuff cheaper for you, that argument should disappear. But if nobody understands that the benefit of the EU is because we share laws, you're going to have a one-sided debate. And that's why the argument of take back control was so powerful in 2016, and people ran with it. 
On top of that, you've got arguments around um, immigration. And again, this is where Nigel Farage comes in. In 2016, he said, um, there's nothing we can do to stop unlimited numbers of people from EU countries coming to this country and enjoying the same rights and privileges as all the rest of us. Basically, the narrative that EU citizens come here, live off benefits and clog up the NHS. Now, I then had to call him up about a year later and say, all right, you said that in 2016, but I'm reading here, Article 7 of the EU Citizens' Rights Directive says, if you want to come to this country, you need to either have a job or have enough money that you're not a burden on the welfare state and your own comprehensive medical insurance. So that, what you just said, wasn't true. Mm -hmm. He said, in theory, Femi, you're right. In theory, under European treaties, there are restrictions that can be placed. Hang on. That's the exact opposite of your primary message from 2016. But it's scaremongering. I think what I think is really worrying about politics and we see it with Trump all the time is the fact that these people are just spouting anything that sounds like you say it gets people's heartstrings going because mm -hmm. it sounds so emotive like take back control yeah. but like take back control of borders when we live on an island is mm -hmm. a really redundant point yeah. for one <laughs> and two I think that this I remember growing up and hearing these things about how immigrants come in and take your jobs and all this stuff and you I don't know when that rhetoric started I don't know if it's just based in deep-rooted um racism that's institutionalized within us or like has that ever really been an issue because more often than not when you look at it the statistics show that actually it's poverty inequality racism and all these other injustices that cause people to have to look to benefits or look to these schemes mm. rather than people coming in from like seeking asylum or whatever so un unfortunately there has been a, a breakdown in the conversation around immigration so you've got people who will say they come here they take our jobs or they drive down wages now, and then somebody on the left will say, well, if you look at the maths, look at the stats, immigration is a net benefit to our economy. Yeah. And then people, but people on low incomes will say, hang on, but I'm not feeling any benefit from this. Now, the problem we've been having is we have this discussion as if we're on the right. And what I mean is, if you know that there's a net benefit from immigration, that the, the economy is generally doing better, but you know that people at the bottom are still suffering, whose fault is that? It is the responsibility of government yeah. to ensure that benefits are, well, the benefit of an immigration right. is shared equally across the country. Now, that means by a taxation, by a strengthening the union so that um, certain sectors ensure that there's a decent minimum wage mm. for that sector so that you can't have undercutting of wages. Now, that's the responsibility that as a whole we have failed on. And I think that is kind of what led to Brexit and Trump mm. in the sense that People, especially working class people, have to a certain extent, well, a significant number of them, lost faith in the left because we've been, how do I put this, discriminatory in our anti-discrimination. If somebody born of a certain ethnicity, race, sexual orientation has fewer opportunities than somebody born in the majority, the left will go on marches, we will, we will start right. campaigns. But if somebody born in Hull or Swansea or Red Car has fewer opportunities than somebody born in Greater London, the left has been far too quiet on that. And so as a result, you have a lot of people who feel, well, the left isn't really looking out mm. for me. And as a result, people like Nigel Farage, Trump, seem like figures that are now saying, oh, we'll we'll, we will work for you. We will, do we will make your life better when it's all bullshit. Yeah, I agree. But then I also think maybe that conversation, again, coming a bit da back down to like privilege and stuff, is that we do have to really... Like, there is still privilege in being, I don't know, say a white person from a working-class background who does have privilege over a person of colour from a working-class mm -hmm. background. So to say that the left has neglected looking after certain areas might be true, mm -hmm. but I also wonder if there's a lack of, like, w w as we see with the rise of fascism, it's more like surely a lack of understanding how the structural systems work, like the invisible ones, as well as the physical ones, if that makes sense. Um, as in... <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, yes, obviously there's um, black working class, minority, economic minority working class in those areas that have been left behind. But that's that's my point. It, it doesn't really, it's not an issue that really sees race. It's an issue that it's geographical yeah. inequality. It's that regional inequality that needs to be addressed. Right, I get and, you. And for me personally, once we're done with once we're done with Brexit, the priority has to be screaming at government saying, start investing in Hull, start investing in Swansea, start investing in Redcar, Sunderland, etc. Because otherwise people who voted for change will be very angry if they don't mm. see change. It's really interesting actually that you just said that we're arguing the wrong thing because we're blaming kind of immigration. And actually Catelyn Moran said an amazing thing where she was like, this is exactly what government bodies do. They make you punch down. Mm -hmm. So instead of you focusing and looking up and thinking, what is legislation doing for me? They'll go, oh my God, look at all the immigrants causing all the problems. Mm. So then the working class will be like, oh, that's who I've got to take issue uh, with. Oh no, that isn't, that is populism in a nutshell. Yeah. You've got people like Nigel Farage who talk about the elites, but only ever really say, um, look at the person who's right next to you. Look, look at you down on the bottom, fight amongst yourselves. You don't realize just how much we're profiting from all of this and that and that is very much the problem and it's also interesting because i've been on a brexit march in london but it is a lot of i'm a very posh white middle class woman and it's a lot of people that look and sound like me on these marches and it's interesting because i guess then there's this other argument saying that the left are actually just all this like show champagne socialists bolstering false arguments and stuff and do you think that what's do you think that there's anything that's good that's come from Brexit in terms of the way that we're talking about things now? Or do you think it's just all? I'd say that um, if it wasn't for Brexit, what I just said about waking up to the regional inequality, mm. we wouldn't be having that discussion. It's because you can basically tell where where the least social mobility is based on where people voted Brexit. Um that is what has woken people up to just how much needs to change in terms of fixing that. So Brexit has provided an opportunity to fix that problem. But and this is the other main issue, Brexit fatigue. Mm. If you want to actually fix the problems in this country, Brexit has to get out of the way. Because if, under any circumstances of Brexit, we have to spend the next seven to ten years negotiating with both the EU and Trump at the same time. Now, that means all the resources you've seen the government put into Brexit over the past three years, where they've done nothing else, Brexit's been the only thing you've heard for three years straight. If Brexit actually goes ahead, we will not have a chance to deal with anything. And that mm. means regional inequality, the NHS, climate change, none of those issues will be addressed because we'll be so focused on dealing with Brexit. Well, that's what, so I had Jess Phillips on here not, not that long ago. Um, she was talking about like how she works a lot with women's aid and domestic abuse. And I was asking about how she would push it through and like do stuff. She's like, I can't, I'm, li I'm literally paralyzed by Brexit. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's really scary. And it's interesting though, you say that, you know, it's been three years and it's going on for so long, but what, where we are right now, I feel like maybe it is Brexit fatigue, but I've actually completely lost sight of, I don't even know what's going on anymore. Yeah. Like today I was just saying there's a new word flex tension or whatever this is. Like there's just new shit coming up yeah. the whole time. Where are we at right now? Let, let, me, let me give you yeah, yeah. As, as, for, as a as a basic rundown of where we are right now. Yeah. You have to go down to the democracy issue. 52% voted to leave, 48% voted to remain. Now we have to, as a country, recognize what those words mean. Remain means a relationship between the UK and the other countries of the EU that is defined by two international treaties, decades of legislation, and fixed in place to prevent anything like Euro, United States, EU army, all that stuff. Right. Th that would require a second refer another referendum on top of the one we currently had. So Remain was a very specific and codified relationship. Leave, literally anything else. Okay. 
Um, so it could be a Norway-style deal where we stay under the rules of the single market. It could be a Canada-style deal where we just have um, very few tariffs. It could be no deal at all. It could be the deal that Theresa May did. It could be the deal that Boris Johnson just came back with. It could be a thousand different things. Now, this is the thing people don't get. Just because 52% vote for Brexit does not mean they all want the same Brexit. Right now, we've got the DUP, the Unionists in Northern Ireland, who are pro-Brexit, saying they do not accept Boris Johnson's Brexit deal. You've got Nigel Farage, the, one of the heads of the unofficial Leave campaigns from 2016, and the head of the actual Brexit party, saying that he's against the deal that Boris Johnson just negotiated, which means you're not going to have the full 52% in favour of any Brexit. It is mathematically impossible to please them all. So you'd have to have separate votes for, you'd have Remain and then like four different categories of leave. Well, you could you could do that, but then people will, people will argue that um, that it's, it's too complicated. What, what we have right now is, in 2016, Brexit was four words, leave the European Union. Right now, it's a 600-page treaty that Boris Johnson has made up over the past few months. Now, that means essentially that if we were to leave the EU without a referendum, it would be like signing a contract and letting the other side write the terms of that contract right. three years later and then saying, well, you already signed. So is there any way in which we won't leave or we're definitely going to leave? It's going to have to require another referendum. That's what has to happen. And is that going to happen? So what we're looking at right now is a high likelihood of a general election. Now, in that general election, you're going to have um, Farage and, 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 and Boris Johnson on one side, Brexit Party and the Conservatives, and you're going to have Lib Dems, the Greens and Labour in, in England on the other side with the SNP implied in Scotland, in Scotland and Wales and the Alliance in Northern Ireland. Now, what, what the people on the, well, quote-unquote, well, Remain side will be saying is we need to have a referendum once we're done with this general election. Um, on the Leave side, you're going to have um, Boris Johnson saying, vote for me and you'll get my deal. And Nigel Farage will saying, vote for me and you'll get no deal at all. So what I'm begging every single person listening here is you have a responsibility because you need to get everyone you know registered to vote. And not just that, get them to get everyone they know registered to vote. Because if, Nigel, if Boris Johnson does well in this election, if he becomes, if he gets like five seats short of a majority, he will make a pact with the Brexit party, which will put Nigel Farage into the cabinet as a minister of this oh government. God. That is what will happen. There is no way he will turn down the chance of being number, being prime minister. Right. So you need to make sure everyone you know is doing that because if it doesn't, if, if you don't let this, if you don't, get involved in this. If you don't make yourself heard, Boris Johnson runs the country alongside Nigel Farage. When was the first time you met, uh, spoke to Nigel Farage or met him? Uh, first time I spoke to him was around, I think, March 2017. He was on the phone. And what, like, how do you engage with him? Like, it's funny because on a, can you speak, could you ever see him on a personal level and then on as what he is? Or like, how do you see him in your eyes? Because he's such a... Um, okay, so he is charming. Um, I mean, all the people, all the, yeah. all the people in this game are charming. Um, that's, that's how they've gotten this far. Uh, obviously, when we actually met face to face, um, uh, because we had a, we were in the studio arguing against each other for eleven minutes, and um, he got pretty tetchy because he saw that I was trying to catch him in a lie. Because remember what I said before about yeah. how he lied about immigration. He saw that I was trying to corner him into, corner him into that, and so he started speaking over me. And so I started speaking I've over seen him. That. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he wasn't particularly pleasant to me at the end of that. Um, but how I see Nigel Farage in general, uh, okay, so there's, there's one thing. There's the what he promised us in 2016. He said we'll get a great trade deal. There won't be any trade barriers. He said we'll get a deal that's better than Norway. Um, and yet now he is pushing for a no deal Brexit. 
And what's no-deal Brexit? A no-deal Brexit means we're the only country in the world that doesn't have a single trade deal with anyone within oh 2,000 God. miles, which when you use your logic means we're doing something that every successful economy on the planet has chosen specifically not to do. Yeah. So just basic logic says that will hurt us and make people in this country poorer. And that is exactly what he told people wouldn't happen in 2016. Now he's pushing specifically for it. That is a man without moral integrity at all. But what, what does he gain from that? He just wants power. He knows that there is a lot of... He, he knows that he's tapping into a a general hatred of the EU that's been whipped up because of him mm. over the past few years. And he knows that he, um, he he's tapping into the idea that he's the one that speaks for the real people of this country. Um, and, he, and he ultimately will, will head for power. Um, I have to say, when he first came around, I, he is really charming. And I remember thinking, God, what is he talking about? Because if you're not politically linguistic, if you're not like aware of what they're talking about, when mm. you see a man like that who is albeit very posh, but acting like, oh, he likes a pint and he's talking mm. about this. It kind of is quite attractive because you think, oh, what are you, what is, I understand what you're saying. That makes, that, those words make sense to me. That makes sense. Obviously, I think he's an absolute awful mm. now, but I can see the attractiveness of it. But the interesting thing is with you, and maybe this is the only reason why it works, is, well, you do have an incentive, but you seem to lay things out very logically mm. and you just stack them up whichever way they go. And there's no one in politics really that does that. I'm doing my best. I think a lot of it comes from people... A lot of the issues are under so many layers of subtlety that people don't. Uh, people just try and game it, game the system in, in, in their way. For example, with Nigel Farage, he's very, very sneaky. Mm. Like he, people on our side of the argument will call him racist, and he will and will point to things like the Breaking Point poster, which is the poster we used during the referendum, which showed thousands of Syrian refugees all in a line on a road, and it said Breaking Point. We need to break free of the EU so we can control our borders. Now, people on our side of the argument will say that was racist. He will say, how can it be racist? It's a photograph of people coming, coming, coming into Europe. Now, the reason why it's racist is very, very sneaky. Because the UK is not part of the EU's common asylum policy. So unlike other countries, we don't have a refugee quota, which means that not one of the people in that photograph had any right to enter the UK under EU law. Okay. And we know this because of all the people who we've seen stuck in Calais. Yeah. So he chose people of Middle Eastern background who had nothing to do with Brexit to scare people about European migration. Right. The only reason you do that in a photograph is because you think visually there must be something about those people which is scarier, which you, which, well, you think your audience will find scarier. Mm. Now, again, that's fundamentally racist. He'll then use the argument, well, well if, they, if, they come to, if they come to, say, Germany... They'll get German citizenship and then they'll come here. Hang on. You're saying that somebody who moves to Germany, spends the seven to eight years required to gain German citizenship, has to speak German in order to pass the citizenship test, becomes a fully-fledged German citizen, shouldn't come to this country because of their ethnic origin. You what? That's ridiculous. So it is a... But the thing is, that's not said explicitly in no. the photograph it's just a dog whistle it's, it, a, it's, a, yeah. it's a subtle his subtle. racism is very subtle but it's also like he is quite obviously a race and I don't know maybe this because I'm naive and maybe because I've got so much privilege that I think we should live in a fairy tale but I still can't quite get to grips with how people like that are in power and how we can't I, it really I know we do have obviously people power and all that kind of thing but how how is he able to carry on I don't know how it's legislatively legal to do things in such an and it is do you know what some of it's not even subtle like he's just mm. outwardly racist and we we understand that now. we're woke in verse mm. commas as a generation like i think it's really scary it's suffocating to feel like he could be in power yeah well i, I mean 
here, here's the here's the thing. As as far as um that uh, he he ran a campaign that was called Leave EU in 2016. That was the campaign that he was fronting, and the communications director for that in a recording that's literally on the Parliament website, so you can go look it up. His name is Andy Wigmore. Uh, he was talking about the campaign that he ran with Nigel Farage and Richard Tice, who's the chair of the Brexit Party now. And he said about the Nazis, he said, um, when, you, when you look at what uh, the Nazis did, um, it, the way they presented things, it, it was very clever. It was very clever. Um, and and, and, when, and when, I look, when I look at the campaign that we ran in 2016, you realize um, this is nothing new. Sorry. He's literally saying comparing himself to the Nazis yeah, in no, a positive light. In a positive light saying this is nothing new. No. So he's saying that the campaign he ran alongside uh, Nigel Farage essentially was a the modern day Nazi, Nazi campaign. It's sick. Uh, yeah. Do you know what I think though? This is kind of going off on a tangent but still related to you saying about climate change. But obviously the biggest irony here is that a lot of this immigration is happening because of climate change. Mm -hmm. Like even if we're sat here in the UK and it's not impacting us, people all around the world are already feeling the yeah. impacts of climate change. And that's only going to get worse. Yeah. And I read an amazing article in The New Yorker the other day, which is basically about, it doesn't matter if you, well, obviously going vegan, less plastic, whatever, be great. But the best thing we could do is to learn to be accepting of everyone, like get rid of all these social barriers we have, whether that's like institutionalized racism or bigotry or sexism or whatever it is, mm. in order to make the world more inhabitable for everyone. Basically, we need to create a more equal world. Mm -hmm. But then, their fight is only gonna it is it is basically like Nazism isn't it they just want to I don't know how to explain it without getting lost in my words but I'm just saying it's so weird when you look at the bigger picture and see that the only answer to this right now is that we've got to figure out a way to make the world inhabitable mm -hmm. for everyone and they're going no we want more just for us right now in this corner yeah it's it's a it's a short-sightedness because if we don't tackle climate change, then um, we're going to increase the, the migration. And so that, that hostility towards immigration will, will only get higher. Um, but at the same time, there's a short-sightedness around a lot of people who talk about climate change because they're not focusing on Brexit. And Brexit right now in the UK is the biggest threat to, uh, in, to the fight against climate change. Why? Because climate change doesn't see borders. It is yeah. united against us. So being being divided in our fight against climate change makes zero sense. Right now, we are members of the European Union. We pass environmental protection laws together. Right. And so we can fight climate change together. On top of that, if we were to leave the EU, when you, take, when you look at the economic hit that happens, that will be used as an excuse not to focus on climate change. The government will be saying, and you can, I can already see the headlines, no, 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 no. We can't deal with climate change right now. We're in an economic crisis. We, ha we have to deal with this. We, we have to get rid of these environmental protections so that we can make the economy more mm. streamlined. That is what they will be saying. It's so fucked, though, because you think, like, what's the point of an economy if you can't, like, you can't inhabit the country you're from? And yeah. I always think it's about people that own, like, the massive oil companies sitting on millions, and they keep drilling even though they say they're not. Yeah. And you think, you're going to make yourself another, what, billion, but there's not going to be a world yeah. to live in. it's, it's short-sighted. It, but it, is that what power... Do, like, do, would you ever want to go into power? Like, what's your... I don't know, I find it really quite repulsive, the, the way that these people seek out power, because it seems to delineate them from any other sense of... Like, as you said, it's, it, you become, like, emotionless and... Yeah, I mean, there are people that are not particularly morally guided uh, in positions of power these days, um, and... It is, it is a catch-22. In order to get into power, you have to literally want power and mm. seek power. Um, and a lot of people who don't seek power end up staying out of it. Um, for example, last year, I, I, I could have stood in um, for election in Peterborough, 
But part of me said, I'm not from Peterborough. I shouldn't really stand in Peterborough. Therefore, I didn't want to. Whereas somebody with no moral scruples would think, well, hang on, there's power there. I'll go grab mm. it. Um, it is unfortunate. But also, surely you have more impact doing what you're doing now than you would yeah, if definitely. you had to align yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the things. I cannot join a political party right now. Yeah. Uh, I trust precisely one person in politics right now, and that's Caroline Lucas. Um, <laughs> but there's only one of her. Um, and so uh, Labour... They need to be clear on what they want to do regarding um, Brexit. The Lib Dems, again, there's there's, there's more of them now because a large lot of the Tories have jumped on board. Um, and yeah, so there's not a lot of options in terms of joining a political party right now. What I would love to see is if the parties got together and just cooperated because mm. we're in a situation where there's calls for a no-deal Brexit. Uh, there's calls for Boris Johnson's Brexit. But the majority of Parliament is against no deal. And that's because in 2017, the majority of voters, 54%, voted for parties whose manifestos ruled out no deal. Right. So it is only right that Parliament prevent it. Now, is there a majority for the deal that Boris Johnson just negotiated? Well, you've got significant po- people, including the Brexit Party, who are against it. So the only thing Parliament should be doing right now is giving us a referendum on that deal. Um, But they're still talking about a general election now, which is unfortunate. So looking forwards, can you see this party structure or the way that that, that, that the government is sorted right now? Can you see this carrying on? Or do you think this might actually delineate the whole thing and and be a cause for change in the way that we do stuff? Because surely that Mm. Labour, Conservative, Lib Dem, surely that can't work anymore. No, you're you're absolutely right. It is, we have seen the cracks in our constitution now over the past few years because um, the party discipline has just fallen apart. um, The anger with the fact that despite the fact that Labour has completely dragged its feet in terms of getting to the right position on Brexit, um, I'm still going to end up having to tell people, you know, you've got to vote Labour in your constituency because they're the best chance of beating the Conservatives and the Brexit party, even though another party would probably deserve it more because they've been a consistent saying, hang on, we hadn't negotiated Brexit in 2016. Once we've negotiated it, it needs to be put to the people for a final decision. They've been saying that for the whole way through, and Labour's only just got to that position. But unfortunately, because of the way our democratic system works, first past the post, people just are going to have to suck it up and vote Labour. But yeah, so when I listen to you talk about this, it, first of all, it makes so much sense. But you're so eloquent in it and so fluent. But how... how Impossibly, how impossible would it be to imagine the whole population understanding it the way that you do? Because I imagine for you, it's already a bit of a mindfuck and you seem to be absolutely fluent in it. Do you think that the way it's set up, it is pretty much impossible for the lay person who isn't as invested as you are to really understand what's going on? I think it's a failure of communication from the people in the media and the politicians themselves. I'm going to rattle through a couple of, a couple of ones that, that should be explained and should be public knowledge. Yes. Okay, so right now, as a member of the EU, as EU citizens, you all have the right to live, work, and love in 31 countries across Europe. That's your right by birth. Live, work, and love? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> well, I love I, that. Well, I say that partly because I did Erasmus, and Erasmus was the best year of my life, largely because uh, Erasmus' language-based and language-based courses tend to be about 75% female, making it the most romantically complicated year of my life. Oh! Uh, <laughs> uh, I love that. Did you fall in love <laughs> in your Erasmus? Uh, pretty hard. Um, I, well, it was complicated. I had uh, I was cheated on by a German uh, <gasps> Uh, I fell in love with a French lesbian. Uh, it was a complicated year. Oh my god! So are you sure you don't want to do Brexit? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just revenge You're on the German. Strewn lovers all around the whole of the EU. Yeah. Build, build that wall. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, and that meant I studied in a French university. Um, it's two hundred quid admin fee and no tuition fees. Wow. Um, and that's your right by birth. I did um, a ski season, which was they cover your uh, you cover your your flight, your accommodation, your ski pass, and you basically work doing customer service, cleaning toilets, um, cooking, or whatever. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Now, that was something I did alongside people who had just done GCSEs and A-levels. We're not talking about elite privilege. This is something that basically, this was catering work. Right. Now, the Tory policy for post-Brexit immigration to this country says if you want, they're going to have a points-based system for some sectors. But in general, if you want to come here, you need to be making at least £36,000 a year. Wow. Now, if other countries do that to us, suffice to say, when I was cleaning toilets in France, I was not making 36 k I mean, the majority of people who are, 20, most people aren't making 36k ever. Exactly. Which means that by leaving the EU, you're cutting yourself off from a job market that spans a continent. Wow. Um, and that's just not discussed. Uh, if we're talking about the how Brexit affects the economy, uh, a, a concrete example that I like to use is if we're not part of the European market, we're no longer a logical base to base European businesses, businesses that want to sell across right. Europe. If you put it this way, Nissan factory, Sunderland, 70% of the cars that it makes go to other EU countries. And 35,000 jobs across the Northeast depend on that factory. Now, if there's a barrier of any kind, be it tariffs when they cross the border, be it having differences in rules, you have to check stuff when they cross the border, then you know that 70% of your cars are going to face an extra cost. Whereas if that factory was based in Frankfurt, Paris, Milan, then 30% of their cars are face a cost coming this way. So if you're Nissan... Where do you want your factory to be? Right. On the other side of that barrier where the majority of its cars are going. What happens to those 35,000 jobs in the UK? Gone. So would it, and how quickly would this happen? This would happen over a period of about, say, 10 years. Okay. Um, so it wouldn't happen overnight because obviously they have to build a new factory on the other side of the border. But it's just, you generally, you've shifted the balance of gravity away from the UK in, and, and into Europe because we're no longer integrated into the market of our continent. To play devil's advocate, this isn't something I think at all, but I was just mm. thinking as you're saying it, and it's quite a gross idea. But if we did ostracize ourselves so far from all these other countries and we stopped doing trade and we became, I don't know how it would work with food and stuff, but if there was a means to become more self-sustainable, would that in a funny way then protect us more against climate change? If we actually did manage to become this like island of... No match. Do you know what I mean? I mean um, that's a horrible it, thought. It, but. If we if we fully went full on Trump and had a had a, had a wall yeah. around everything, um, it would cut down travel. I'd, I'd say that. Uh, but the fact <laughs> is, it's not. It's so unrealistic that the efforts to correct it would end up causing more problems. Yeah. For the, for the I mean, I don't think it's a good idea. I'm just. <laughs> I just always think it's really interesting to imagine like all the different parallels that happen or like yeah. do you know what I mean sorry carry on the next thing you're going to tell me <laughs> um, another thing let's look at it this way uh, let's look at the NHS oh yeah so um, 
Unfortunately, we have a problem with our respect for the concept of expertise. Now, people our age, 18 to 24 year olds, and me, 25 to 25 to um, to 34 year olds, we voted heavily Remain. 1824 was 73% Remain. Uh, my age group was 62% Remain. And I think that's largely because our age, we re we respect expertise. We yeah. we live our lives on phones, which is technology we know we don't understand. We respect it. But unfortunately, you can't say the same across the board. Uh, right now, the British Medical Association, which represents over 130,000 doctors across the UK, says a no-deal Brexit would be a catastrophe for the NHS. You've got the Royal College of Nurses, the Royal College of Midwives, the Royal College of GPs, the Royal College of Radiologists, all saying the same. Um, and yet, because Boris Johnson, who majored in Greek poetry, <laughs> says that the, it'll be good for the NHS, somehow it's a, it's a, it's a roll of the dice. I, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, we are talking, if, if organizations like that, mm. who are literally the doctors who run our NHS, are saying this would be a catastrophe for the NHS, we are talking thousands of lives over the next 50 years. Because organizations like that, they avoid using emotive language like catastrophe. Yeah. If they're using it now, it's because they recognize that 5% of the UK population is from another EU country, whereas they make up 10% of our doctors, oh meaning that immigration from EU countries is literally keeping this country alive. If you look at uh, the Euratom program, the, the, the EU program through which we get radioactive isotopes into this country, that's necessary for cancer treatments. If that goes, cancer is oh an issue. Um, this is stuff that should be common knowledge, mm. but they keep talking in all these fancy terms, customs union, et cetera, when it's just boil it down to, hang on, the experts in this area are saying, do not do this. Do you know what else it is? So I always thought I wasn't interested in politics until I realized that all the things I was interested, like the socio-political, is all completely interlinked. And then what you do is you draw it back to like, how does this impact the people? Whereas to me, when the whole Brexit thing first started happening, it felt so far removed from mm -hmm. my life and mm -hmm. it was just a political conversation about changing laws and things. Yep. Whereas actually, as you say, like the practical implications of it, as we do know a bit more now, but even then, someone will say this and they'll go, oh no, they're just saying it or it's this mm -hmm. and that. And actually, you're right, just hearing from the ground up, like how is this actually going to impact us like in a dominoes way? Yep is so helpful, but it, you don't get that kind of rhetoric. And the annoying thing is, none of us are going to live, uh, none of us have the same wants as Boris Johnson, or very mm. few of us, and don't have the same privileges. And like, if the NHS did disappear, Boris would be fine because he can go get his private doctor. Yeah. Like, we don't have that access. Yeah, I know, I know, you're absolutely right. I mean, I go to schools, I do talks, and I speak to 16, 17-year-olds, and there'll be classes that I walk into, and I say, who here cares about politics? And not a single hand will go up. Mm. My next question will be, who here cares how much stuff costs in the shops? Every hand goes up. I say, who here cares whether or not they can get a job when they leave school? Every hand goes up. I say, that's politics. Yeah. Right now, because of Brexit, the pound is has less value, which means supermarket prices are higher. That's your life. Right now, because jobs are leaving the UK, because we're no longer part, well, we're, well, we're looking like we might not be part of the European market, that means fewer jobs for you when you leave school. That's your life. Yeah. Be and, and, and it's being dictated to us by a vote that, was done, but it was well. If you look at it this way, the under 65 population of the UK, so take out the over 65s, voted remain. That's because in the age group of 18 to 24, 72% remain. Age group of 25 to 34, 62%, 35 to 45 was 52%, and then it flips around. Now, that means that when people talk about how, yes, Brexit will be an economic hit, it might, it might be a little bit poorer, but we'll work through it. Hang on. Who will literally be working through it? Oh, yeah, that's so true. They'll just be living off the pensions. Yeah. 
if a generation that oh, will God. literally have to work through, support their families, feed their mm. families, pay for mortgages, those people voted Remain. Those are the people who have to work and struggle through the economy that Brexit creates. Is there any way that we won't have some kind of, well, we're already, as you said, seeing an economic impact, but is there any outcome in which we'll be slightly better or are we always going to head towards some kind of financial crash at this point? If um, if we get a referendum, we turn this around. Completely? Uh, uh, well, because, uh, not completely, completely, because the, there'll be an economic damage just because people have had so much uncertainty for so many years. Um, but if we get a referendum between Boris Johnson's deal and staying in the EU, which, by the way, Nigel Farage a couple of days ago said that if there's a referendum between those two options, Remain wins every time. So if even Nigel Farage <laughs> is saying the version of Brexit negotiated by the king of vote leave yeah. is, is would, people would prefer to stay, uh, we're, on, we're on a winner there. Right. And if that happens, we're, we're, we're more or less fine. As for is there any way you could do Brexit and things will be better, just the overwhelming... Um, uh, population of experts and majority of experts are saying that just no and what's the quickest way to get like to as you're saying like we might be spending the next seven to ten years talking about this in which case we won't get anything else done mm. if there was a referendum how quickly would the conversation how quickly would we would be able to move past this so if there's a referendum the referendum will probably take place maybe may um because we'll have we'll have we'll probably have an election at the end of this year and, wh- and whoever wins that referendum if it's if it's the brexit party and the conservatives Possible no deal Brexit and the country's fucked. If it's um, if it's Labour and Lib Dems and, and Greens and SNP implied, then we have a referendum and we stay in the EU, and that will take place around May. Uh, and then it'll be my personal job to spend the next two three months threatening MPs, saying, "Hey, people vote for change. If they don't get change, they're going to be very angry. If you do not start investing in Hull, Swansea, Newry, then people who vote for change will start turning to Nigel Farage, Tommy Robinson, and that's who you'll start to see in Parliament. So we will be moving on very quickly because, as you said, everyone is bored of Brexit. Yeah. But unfortunately, that whole boredom of Brexit is being twisted by Boris's get Brexit done um, slogans, whereas no, getting Brexit done simply means moving starting on to the, starting Brexit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Negotiating with the EU for the next seven to ten years. The only way Brexit gets done is if we have a vote on the refer- uh, have a referendum on the deal, put an end to it, and then we can focus on other things. Because right now, well, as of last year, um, the, the UK government employs 7,000 civil servants to deal with Brexit. Nine, they budgeted for 9,000 more, which are probably, they probably start using already. Uh, an extra 300 for border issues in case of a no-deal Brexit. And an extra 1,000 just in case. Now, those could have been doctors, nurses, right. teachers, house builders, police. Instead, they are Brexit civil servants. And by the way, Brexit civil servants who are saying this is a net bad for our economy. So it is bad money after bad money. Uh, if you want to actually move on and devote all those resources to doing all the things that we really care about, being be it the popular in the NHS, be it working on new technologies to to, support, yeah. uh, to fight climate change, those are, that's what we should be focusing on, not something that we're clearly not in any sort of agreement on. How much money have we wasted overall, like since this whole thing started? Oh, I I, I couldn't tell you, but I, I've heard I've heard the occasional figure, and it's it's eye watering. Eye watering. Right. Um, we are, and even if you even if you forget the idea of money lost, think about the time we've spent yeah. focusing on Brexit. Think about what could have been done with that time, money, and resources, and government will. Every every penny that's been spent on Brexit and not on a doctor or a nurse, mm. those are lives that could have been saved. And how much do you think that comes down to pointing out the fact that, like, a lot of the time in these rooms, especially when they do their, what's their weekly, I'm literally gone brain dead, you know. PMQs? Yeah. yeah. You know how it's literally, like, 
a boys changing room mm-hmm. and they're all like lads chat yeah. and like it basically is just I also spoke to Grace Campbell mm-hmm. <laughs> who was saying that her dad basically said it's literally like arguments they've had since school mm-hmm. that they're just playing out now yep. as adults yep. throwing their toys out of their pram and I think that's highlighted this to the majority of the public that actually these people aren't fit to be in charge and they're just like private school guys running around throwing their willies about <laughs> and like trying to make and so do you think that because of this in some way and I also think it's pride like I think people don't want to back down now like Boris wouldn't be mm. like oh maybe this is better because they literally are so twatty they can't bear the idea that yeah. they might have a bit of hubris and say you know what I fucked up no no you're, you're entirely right I mean I'd, I've said before if 100% of the country had voted leave in 2016, it would have been a lot easier to, to stop Brexit because you wouldn't have any 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 of that feeling of, well, oh, no, I don't want to admit to them that I was wrong. Right. Um, whereas right now, people are so invested in that mm. identity of I'm a leaver or I'm a Remainer that it makes the conversation so hard because the moment you criticize the concept of leave or the concept of Remain, people see that as a personal attack. And yes, so things have totally. gotten a lot more tense in the way we discuss things. Well, I think it's it has made younger people invest in politics so on the one hand, which is really good, but it's definitely the most emotive thing that I remember happening in my whole life. Mm. And I think it went, we got really invested in politics and then it's a complete dropping off now. And actually, if anything, I'm not, inv- I'd rather, I would listen to you talking about something, but I wouldn't necessarily rely on our people in power mm. to give me a story because of the whole fake news yeah, yeah. thing and everything. Can I ask some questions that Matt's sure, sure, sure. which are going to be much more professional than mine? Because he was actually like, you have to ask these. <laughs> I won't even probably know what they mean. Okay. Hi, Matt. <laughs> um, I feel like you've probably actually... Actually, do you know what? Okay, mm, I think you've asked... Answered. Hit me, hit me. I'll, I'll give a new take. Okay, why is the Lib Dems' current position on Brexit undemocratic, <laughs> i.e. forget the result of the initial referendum? Yeah, unfortunately in this country we have a problem of what is democracy. Um, now, I've said before... Remain was a very specific relationship, whereas 52% that voted for Brexit want completely different relationships. I mean, it's it's as bad as you've got, well, first of all, for starters, you've got the Brexit party that are saying they don't accept this Brexit. You've got, I, I met a farmer who, and this was tragic, I almost, I almost wanted to cry because she said she voted Brexit expecting that we'd have this sort of Brexit whereby we have high tariffs with the rest of the world so that everybody has to buy British. Right. And so that would be really protect her, protect her, her goods, etc. And then that would mean that um, she'd be, things would be good for her. Whereas the sort of Brexit they're talking about now is a zero tariff where you have tons of American beef coming from America putting her out of business. So there is no majority for any version of Brexit. Now, unfortunately, the way we talk about this is, well, we voted leave, though, if we have to leave. And anybody who questions leaving, they, they, they're undemocratic. Hang on, sorry. You're, are you saying that in a, refer, in a general election, people should be bound by the result of a previous, a previous vote? Put it this way. If we had a general election at the end of this year, what would you say if somebody then said, hang on, Labour lost in 2017. Why are they allowed to be on the ballot paper? Haven't we already decided decided this? That's so ridiculous. Yeah, it is the same thing. Just because, I mean, you could also say that should Labour have become the party of austerity Mm. when the Tories won? Do you know what? It's actually, it's almost like saying how, so like, 
10 years ago, if you asked most people, like, would you go vegan? Mm. They'd say no. But mm. now a lot of people might be like, actually, I'd consider it. It's mm. like going, no, you can't. You can't change your mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You said 10 years ago you didn't want to go exactly. vegan. So Because if, if, if a democracy can't change its mind, it's mm. no longer a democracy. It's a dictatorship. How do dictatorships work? Right, so true. A dictatorship works by you vote in somebody and then he stays in power regardless of how you vote in the future. And any future vote has to be compatible with that, with that first vote. That's not how democracy works. If you're saying that parties aren't allowed to offer offer certain options to people, especially when it's very, very clear that the 52% wanted completely incompatible things, and you're saying that the 48% should never have their views expressed again, that is fundamentally undemocratic. Do you think that we, is that, do you have a fear that we would ever move towards a more totalitarian dictatorship? Like, is that something that, say, we ended up with the Boris and Nigel bloody party? Mm. Is well, that something that you think would... So a couple of weeks ago, uh, Nigel, uh, Boris Johnson, he um, shut down Parliament. Basically, mm. he, he closed it down and he was take, and it was basically because he essentially wanted to stop Parliament, stopping him from taking us out of the EU without a deal. Um, now, the, that went to the Supreme Court and Supreme Court said that what he did was unlawful. Now, that means you've got a prime minister who, let's not forget, wasn't the leader of the Conservative Party when we had our last general election. Mm. So nobody has ever voted in this country with the intention, let's make Boris Johnson prime minister, other than a handful of Tories who, who happen to be Tory members. Yeah. Now, that means that you've got an essentially unelected prime minister illegally shutting down Parliament in order to force through a version of Brexit that in 2016 he said would never happen, and which in 2017 the majority of voters voted against via the manifestos they chose. That is horrendously mm. undemocratic and the act of essentially a dictator. But how, I remember seeing this on Twitter, I got so confused. Everyone was like, he's lied to the Queen. And I was like, mm. what's he lied to the Queen about? <laughs> I literally, I, get, I always get the tail ends of stories and like, I don't <laughs> yeah, understand no, what no. happened. But now, has he had any... Like, what's happened now? Because I forgot about that happening. So did he get reprimanded? Uh, well, he basically, Parliament got reopened, uh, and that's pretty much it. And that's it. So they just didn't go ahead with it? Well, it got shut down for a few days, but then after that, it got reopened again. And then that's it? And that's it. There's, I mean, there's no consequences for it. And is that because there's no, I guess there's no gatekeepers of him? Is that the problem? Like, this uh, Well, I mean... He can be prosecuted. In fact, people are, people would like to do that. Yeah. But on that particular instance, the Supreme Court said, we're not going to decide whether or not he's um, committed a, a crime in any sort of way. They said, let's just declare that the shutting down of Parliament was unlawful and therefore we're going to pretend as if the shutting down never happened. Therefore, everybody go back to work. Oh, my God, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to see if there's any other questions still coming. But I feel like we've done... You said about the clear majority of Brexit. Do you know what? Actually, I feel like I've I've asked some really good questions. Um, said about referendum resolve and is it? Oh yeah, is it still the will of the people to leave the EU if some people change their minds? That's kind of what we've been talking about, isn't yeah. it? Well, I mean that that's the thing. Um, if we've framed it as leave versus remain, but ultimately, if you've got Brexiteers who are saying this version of leave is unacceptable, then it's not the act of leaving that they're talking about. They're talking about the relationship between us and the EU that follows that. Right. And Brexiteers are not agreed as to what that should look like. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, 
then you may say there's a majority to have a different relationship. But the most popular single relationship is the one that 16 million people voted for in yeah. 2016. So there's it makes zero sense to throw that relationship away when the 52% want completely incompatible ones. Yeah. Well, you've honestly cleared this up for me in my mind a lot. I found this so helpful. But if you had to say, well, go out and vote, but what else can you... What, are you our Future, Our Choice our is an organisation or is a... Yeah, we're basically... I, I quit my job at the end of 2017 and decided to do this full-time, created a group called Our Future, Our Choice, or OFOC, um, and we are um, essentially a movement of young people saying, hang on, do not fuck up our futures. And how do you how do you orchestrate that as an as an organisation? Like, how did you even get it? I think it's so cool, but how, how has that become your career and your... Uh, well, I, once I quit my job, uh, I mean, I don't... I'd, so in 2016, I had like 20 followers on Twitter. Um, but this, I saw I saw David Cameron wetting the bed, so I figured I had to get involved. Uh, and then over that time, I got up to about maybe 10,000 at the start of 2018. Um, and so I was able to basically say, hi, everybody, I've just quit my job. Please make sure I don't starve. And, that we, and we raised like um, 12,000 the first three months oh and God. then an extra 19,000 in, in the month or so that followed. And we've raised over 100,000 to just basically keep us keep our campaign going across the country. Amazing. Um, and so we've been on, well, we're on Sky News pretty much every week. Uh, I'm on the pledge now. Um, we're we're basically just trying to change the conversation because it's been so bad. Well, you know, you're definitely doing Like for someone that, for me, that felt so politically illiterate, I've even just like catching, because I follow you on social media and I'll just see snippets and I'll go, oh, okay, I get that now. And also just, I love watching you take down Nigel Farage. I find it really it's funny. It's my favorite thing to it's do. It's so good. <laughs> so yeah, people go out and vote. We can still, I guess, then donate or is it a crowdfunding? Uh, we, are, we are crowdfunders on, on, the, on the site, but please, especially you listen to this job. I know you don't, uh, you listen to the show. Your job right now is getting everyone you know registered to vote. Okay. Because otherwise, Nigel Farage will be running this country. Because, I mean, the Conservative Party is not the Conservative Party. I mean, th their name of the Conservative Party is the Conservative and Unionist Party. Now, Conservative means taking careful decisions around the economy. Nothing we've seen over this over the past few years is careful decisions about the economy. Boris Johnson, about business, last year said, fuck business in relation to Brexit. As for unionists, the idea of keeping the United Kingdom together, the deal Boris Johnson just negotiated means that the Republic, that means that Northern Ireland, a part of the UK, will be following the rules of the EU, but no longer have any ability to shape them. Right now, the UK as a member of the EU has 73 of the 750 members of the European Parliament where the EU makes its laws, meaning we have three times the voting power of the average EU country. The deal Boris Johnson's just signed means the people of Northern Ireland follow those rules with no say at all. Oh my God. Now that and and they and, and it will be just them that do that, which means they've effectively split the United Kingdom, disunited the United Kingdom in terms of where laws are made. Now that means they're not the Conservative Party, they're not the Unionist Party. So what are they? They are essentially just the Brexit Party. Now that means that Nigel Farage and Boris Johnson are essentially the same thing. <sighs> Vote for one, you get the other. And as as far as what. I think most of you would like for the future of this country, if you do not want Nigel Farage to shape your future, register to vote and make sure you are voting at the end of this year and in the referendum to come, please, for your future and for your future's sake. Amazing. Thank you so much Thank for joining you. me, family. This has been so enlightening. My pleasure. And guys, do go and follow me everywhere on social media. And thank you. See you My soon. Pleasure. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.